Hey, it's EDB. That's Eric Deshaun Barrett. If you're connected to this, then it's Sunday, 26 days into month two, 2023 years. And you're ready for our meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. That's good. That's good. I'm so glad y'all doing all right this morning. Y'all so pretty and got your goulashes on. Mama Belle came here. You know, she got on her her African garment for the last day of uh, Black History, or the last Sunday, should I say, of Black sure History. Do. Yeah. Last Sunday. Yeah, got on her African garment. And, uh, yeah. All right. That being said, I would like for you to be in prayer. Uh, our, our mission this year is twofold, uh, people and resources. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to find ways. we got some projects that we're working on either uh, within this sphere, what we call the church world, or outside of it. And so uh, we're looking to do various things and various projects, and, and, and that is going to require two things. It's going to require people and resources, and I think we know what those resources are. So we ask you to prayerfully consider. We, we, we are pitching in the month of March, at the end of March, uh, that we are going to work on a serious engagement campaign. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a journey uh, from the Terminal Boulevard uh, part of Norfolk all the way to the Park Avenue part of Norfolk. We're going to have two teams, and those two teams one is going to start on one end, the other is going to start on the other. We're going to walk all 10.5 miles in that day. And our focus is to bring awareness to various issues, mostly dealing with just getting out and, and, and exercising and promoting uh, the easiness of saying. And so all those things, like I said, is going to require our resources, and we're not going to burden you and try to tell you. I ain't going to be that black preacher that come in and say, y'all give every dime so we can buy a million-dollar church and, and have poor folks going and getting three jobs and selling chicken dinners. No, we're not going to do that. But at the same time, we're going to uh, ask you to consider that we can all do something. If it's just 50 cents or a dollar or five pennies, we find a way to put it together. So we'll leave that in your heart. So this morning, Mama Bell is here, and Brother Dennis is here, and Pastor Booth is here, and Jesus is here, and everybody that comes with him is here. Uh, and we're going to uh, have Mama Bell come up and do a little welcome address and so forth and so on. Not Mama Bell. Brother Dennis is going to do that. Mama Bell plays. Brother Dennis yaps, and Mama Bell plays. You could have him to play, and I would love to see how that works out. 
<laughs> My piano is broken, Mama Bell. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. All right, then. So. All right. So, so and I can't do this dress, so it's, it's okay. One can't preach, another one can't play. So, you know, That's maybe. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. I told y'all about laughing. This is a Presbyterian church. <laughs> y'all ain't supposed y'all ain't supposed to act like that in church. Y'all supposed to act like y'all dignified with your hands and your heads and your thumbs and your mouth. Bible say laughter medicine. Laughter is good medicine. Oh well, I guess we need to laugh more because some of us need some drugs. All right. Uh, Mama Bell is going to play in just a few moments, and then uh, uh, Brother Dennis is going to do his piece, and then Pastor Booth will uh, pray for us, and then we'll see what the end is going to be. That's a great way to start off a Sunday morning. What a great song in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, welcome to the first virtual church, the last Sunday of February, getting ready to partake of a new month and a new mission and uh, a new 
beginning for some of us. You know, a new beginning is not a bad thing. A new beginning in God is always a good thing. Father God, we just thank you that we can get together. We can be here. We can worship you. We can honor you. Lord, just give us the strength we need and just give everyone that's here an extra an extra need, an, an extra take, uh, just an extra hug. There you go. Just something that they need. You know what they need. Just, just bless them, God. Blessings are always a good thing. Everybody loves blessings, even old men. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be a part of your service. Thank you. Amen. Morning again to all of you. On this fine Sunday morning, the last Sunday in February, the last Sunday in this time of black history, I look down and I see that the uh, the virtual church is full. All of the people are here. Some uh, we haven't seen in a while, and so we're glad that you're joining with us. This is a Sunday for you to come in. You came to the last Sunday, uh, Black History Month. We got to we got to talk good this morning for all you fine folks. We're going to do that in just a few moments. Appreciate you for being a part. I do want to again reiterate. Uh, starting next Sunday, I'm not going to go back into the details of it, but uh, if you happen to miss us, uh, just call this number right here starting on Wednesday, not next Sunday, but Wednesday. Uh, you can call this number and you can gladly get directed to how you can hear the service on your own time. So just know you don't have to feel like you're missing church. And you don't have to feel like you need to get the Internet and all that good stuff. Just want to repeat that, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. This morning, as we uh, head into our time of prayer, a couple things I would like to put before you as you are considering some things. We would like to talk about what is going on uh, not only in our national world, but in our local world. Uh, in the last six months, they tell me, there has been an insurgence of various crimes that they have not identified yet. Now, what do you mean by various crimes they haven't identified? Uh, we can't decide on what it is. Is it racism? Is it sexism? Is it bigotry? Is it just we don't like each other? You're seeing these escalating all over the nation, especially as we are heading into the uh, the silly season again. As we get towards the end of this year, you're going to start talking about presidencies and so forth and so on. The 2024 election is going to come up. Congress is going to be up for grabs again. You know how that game is played. And so I ask you to consider in your mind, uh, not just about how I can have some words with God, but how those words can transfer into individual action. What is my role? What does God have for me to do in this time? 
there's some other things that I'm sure our dear pastor has on his mind, and he's going to definitely lead us in our, his way. And also there are some things that you have on your mind. On last Wednesday, we participated in the burning of our problems. Some of us just wrote a blank piece of paper and just threw it out there because we don't even remember what we wrote, what's wrong with us. But nonetheless, that blank piece of paper served as all of it. As one man said, he said, I just wrote all of it and just burned it. And so now we're uh, one Sunday in, 40 days minus Sunday, into Lent, or Lenten season. And we're processing, we're working through our struggle. We talked about that on Wednesday. Please go back and get the tape. How are those struggles that you're processing through? We'll have a few moments in just a few for you to lay those petitions out before the Lord. We spend quietly at this moment to kind of put our hearts and minds into a spirit of thanksgiving. We begin our own prayer. Pastor will pray alongside of us, but we begin to put ourselves into our own spirit of prayer. That we can, A, come in agreement with what I have mentioned, in agreement with what is on his mind, and then we can culminate it with our own struggles. We would do that at this point. Pastor, feel free to come in when you feel. Most gracious God, our Father, we honor you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to come together and pray and to congregate. Even though we are miles apart and even doors apart, but God, we thank you because you said where there are two or three gathered in your name, there you shall be in the midst. We thank you because you are such a gracious God that you woke us up this morning, you clothed us in our right mind, you gave us the activities of our limbs. Therefore, where we move and whereby we move, we live and we have our being because of you. You're gracious to us because you brought us another week. There's countless of people that didn't make it. Some went through accidents and, um, and didn't make it on the other side of it. Earthquakes and shimmers, Lord, and shootings and all kind of stuff that's been happening people in senseless wars. They didn't have an opportunity to wake up this morning to to tell you thank you. But since you gave us this opportunity, we want to say thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to be able to stand in your presence and to honor you and to recognize who you are. Father, there are people breathing your air and walking in your bodies and seeing with your eyes and their and your ears and don't even recognize you as their God, as you as their God. And, Father, we thank you because we recognize you, and that's why we come this morning. Father, we lift up the concerns of our cities and our local communities. There's a lot of things going on, Lord, 
and we lift them up before you, Lord God, because you said that we can do that. We can bring our cares and we can lay them at your feet. And, and Father, we lay the cares of our communities on the, at your feet. Father, we pray as many people think um, life is a game and they use political and politics, Lord God, to try to run our lives. But, Father, we place our lives in the circumstances around our lives, in the cities and the places we live. Lord God, at your feet, that you may get the glory, that you may get the praise. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us leadership and people that will lead us, Lord God, in the right places, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for those who have been slacking, those who have uh, have gotten there by trickery. And we pray, Lord God, even in their time of office before there is time for them to be reelected, I pray, God, that you would even deal with their heart. You said, Lord, the heart of the king is in your hand, and you can turn it any which way you want to, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, that you would turn it in the direction of your will and your ways and your purposes. Father, we pray, Lord God, as we go through these days and not these uncertain days, but we serve a certain God that always knows. You know about the pain that we're having in our bodies right now. And then you supplied a remedy even before we got here, Lord God. You said by your stripes we are healed. And we thank you for healing our bodies. We thank you, Lord God, for healing our minds. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping us in our right mind. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping us, Lord God, from all hurt, harm, and danger. We thank you, Lord God, because you are a keeper. We thank you for the angels that you're in charge, gave us charge over us, that is watching over our homes right now. Oh, my God, I thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord God. And as days to come, as you lead us and guide us and as you lead us into the places that we should go, Father, we pray, God, that you will continue to heal the hurt of our past, heal the wounds of our spirits, Lord God, even things that we don't even understand and don't even understand that we are hurting and don't even understand where the pain is coming from. Well, Father God, in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord God, that you would touch right now. Many of our people before us went through great trials and tribulations, Lord God. Many of us are suffering for things, Lord God, that happened to us in our past and that we haven't gotten healed of. But, Father, we know that you are a healer. And I pray, God, that you would heal us and heal us, Lord God, to the wound, to the source of whatever that is going on in our lives and the lives of those who are around us. God, we thank you for making us a blessing making us a blessing for someone else to see. And, Father, those acquisitions and things that we have before you, Lord God, that need your direction, we pray, God, that you would give precise direction. I pray that you would give favor. Give favor over this pastor of this church, Lord God. I pray, God, that you will open his eyes and that he may see vividly, Lord God, the things that you want him to do in the path that you want him to go down. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would give him, Lord God, that which you have placed before him and, God, that you have shown him. God, there is nothing too large, God, that you have not already, hallelujah, glory to God, made a way, and we thank you. Every vision, everything, Lord God, that he has placed before this church and this ministry, Father, we pray, God, that you have already provided, you have given provision for the vision. And, God, we thank you for it, and we glorify you for it. We deem it to be so in Jesus' name. At this time, 
Maybe the Lord, and I know the Lord, has laid something on your heart to pray and to intercede for. And maybe I didn't mention it this morning. But we come to this time that you may talk to the Lord for yourself. He knows your name. He knows your voice. Let's talk to him now. I found the answer, and I learned to pray. Who with faith to guide me, I found the way. The sun is shining for me each day. I found the answer, and I learned to pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I am a little bit of a struggle here because part of me wants to read the text to you, and the other part doesn't want to do it. Part of me wants to abide by the rabbinical order of preaching, uh, take a text, post a subject, and then put some stank on it. And then part of me would like for us to go on a journey. On this last Sunday of Black History Month, I would like for you, if you would, to just follow me. Uh, I got some notes on the paper, which uh, means absolutely nothing. Uh, We might get to it. But we're just going to close our eyes and go on a journey to the year 1712. If you can find a way to imagine this period in time, you will find us on the bank of the James River, just right up yonder. You'll sit there, if you can, in your bubble of dream and imagination. Observe a group of individuals who are sitting there having a potluck dinner. They have come to a Slave Owners Conference. If you can imagine with me in this year of 1712, some 60 years before the American Revolution, some 60 years before some good Lipton tea was destroyed and poured into the harbor, some 60 years before the fight of emancipation from a nation. Some 60 years earlier, we saw the conversation about the oppression of another. On one side of the Jordan or the James, General Washington was gearing up. He was making battle plans. He knew that the British was coming. Paul Revere told him that. He knew that the hour 
the escalating of the this, uh, the tension, if you will, between the British and the the Redcoats, as they were so uh, firmly known. And the red, the white, and the blue, the tension was growing. War was inevitable. We must fight for our independence. George Washington was having that discussion on the other side of the James. But on this side, we were talking a group of folks about how to manipulate a group of people. The man that was leading this conference was one William Lynch. And Mr. Lynch has told this group of slave owners at this conference that he had stumbled upon a secret. It wasn't a secret, but he thought it was. He had stumbled upon the way to destroy the black man. Oh, it's been argued and debated and refuted and debated again and refuted again over where lynching came from. Some would argue that lynching was at his mercy. That's where you get the word lynching from, from Willie Lynch. But the truth of the matter is, or the argument that opposes that is, that Mr. Lynch did not agree with the term or the ideology of lynching. It was said on one occasion, allegedly, because as much as I feel old, I was not there, that Mr. Lynch said, lynching people is counterintuitive. You can't destroy the black man by killing him. You can't destroy the black man by launching a war against them. They're too strong. They're too powerful. If them Negroes get together, there's absolutely nothing they can't do. Them Negroes is resourceful. Them Negroes that take a 12-ounce can of beans and feed a whole community. They'll take it and pour it in a bowl and give six spoons each and one of the people and somebody lick the spoon. And if they run out, somebody else going to lick the can. Just pass it down like it's a bowl of reefer. Just one get licked. One lick at a time. Don't take too much. One bottle of water, seven sips, the whole nation got, got thirst clean. They're clean. The thirst is gone. Black folks are resourceful. They feed a whole house off of one chicken leg. Black folks are, you can't kill black folks that's united. But what you can do is kill them divided. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to go down there, and you're going to pick these Negroes apart. You're going to take all the light folks and put them on one side and tell them, look at them burnt biscuits out there. You're going, to get, you're going to take the light folks and put them in the house and say, look at that. Ain't look at that. They're going to charcoal out there. You're going to divide them by their hair because yours curls and mine's is straight. 
Because when it rains, your scissors up and mine gets nappy. You're going to divide them by their, their body features. Because I look like a Coca-Cola ball and you like a fat Pillsbury Doughboy. And then what else you're going to do is you're going to take them light folks and you're going to put them in the house and you're going to put the book in front of them that you want them to read. Just give them a little bit. Teach them a little of the Queen's English and then send them outside to talk to the other Negroes that can't understand we be going to the store because we look good. And then tell them that the best response to that is to turn your nose up at them and look at them like they beneath you. That's how you destroy the black neighborhood. You divide them against each other. You have them fighting over carpet and chicken dinners. Whose beans, the casserole is the best. Y'all been down to church dinner. You take a bottle of beans and a and some max trees and, and some green beans to take down there is going to be where I walk. My beans, you can't tell me my greens ain't better than macaroni and cheese now. Because I make the best macaroni and cheese in town. Ooh, Just ooh. got through shouting, praising God, and, and running all down the aisle. And as soon as you get the repass, all hell break loose. <laughs> I told y'all about laughing at church. We're supposed to be serious now. Divide and conquer. Pin their gifts against each other. Have getting up there trying to out-preach each other. Trying to out-sing each other. You squall more than me. You holler more than me. Both of us in bed Monday morning. And the white man just sits there and talks like he's, he's in, a, in a sauna bath or in a library. And he goes and he preaches his sermons and he speaks with a very low voice. And, and he can go through seven sermons and not bust a sweat. We can't get to a prayer meeting without leaving. We've got to go dry our clothes out in the in the bathroom, because we got to out-preach and out-sing and out-pray, breaking up our lungs and our insides. <clears throat> he used this method and said, this is how you will keep them. And then he said, listen, if we do this, We will keep them in slavery well beyond the changing of the laws. Mr. Lynch has been argued to be a very intuitive man. Mr. Lynch has been argued to be a very insightful man. It's been argued that Mr. Lynch knew that the time was coming because on the other side of that river, remember, they was having different conversations. And some of those folks over there, Alexander Hamilton to name one, was not necessarily a proponent of the incarceration or the enslavement of minority people. He happened to be one himself. So 
the South knew, the Southerners knew that the time was drawing near. But what we got to do is we got to create something that can override laws. We got to create something that can override culture. We have to create something that can override the changing and the evolution and the progression of a nation. No, 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 no. We got to get down deep and dirty, mess up these folks' minds. The mind overrides laws. The mind overrides society. The mind overrides education. The mind overrides a book. It doesn't matter what's on the page. It's what's in your head. And if I can mess up your head, I can mess up your house. And so Mr. Lynch went for the ultimate the ultimate destructor, the ultimate weapon of mass destruction, the destruction of the black and minority mind. And then what he would do, in order to manipulate the system, pin us against each other, that was one thing, but then giving books to some, as I just mentioned, and not to others, was a way to tip the education scale. That's a problem that we have in our community right now. You've got educated black folks that act like they're better than uneducated black folks. And the uneducated black folks are the educated black folks. And it doesn't mean anything. One went to a school, the other one didn't. Some went to the University of Nebraska. Some went to the University of Arkansas. Some went to the University of Hard Knocks. But either way, we all got some type of lesson, some type of understanding, some type of skill. I knew a man who barely made it out of the eighth grade. But he can pick apart a car in two seconds. He'll sit there and turn a car on, open that hood, put his tongue out of his mouth and shake his head in five seconds. He can tell you where the noise is. Never stepped foot in the college. Does not have on the wall a little certificate that says to hear for whom it concerns. It doesn't have some signatures on the bottom that's the board of directors certified that you know what you already knew you knew. No, 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 no. He had another education. And the reality of it is, without that man with barely an eighth grade education, them folks that got them degrees can't get from point A to point B because when they car shut off, they don't know what to do. We all are important. But let me tell you why it's significant. Why I believe that what Mr. Lynch did was not genius at all. As a matter of fact, the reason why it can be considered as genius is because of the lack of information, the lack of understanding. The people perish because of a lack of knowledge and because we were controlling the knowledge, these individuals. We didn't realize. 
we didn't realize that if we had only known over there in Genesis, if we had only read chapter number 13, is that what it is? Hmm, 15, verse 13. We'd only read when God had a conversation with Abraham on the bank, and he said, listen, I need you to know something. I need you to know that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. It's right there in the book. That's what they didn't want you to know. I need you to know that they shall serve these people. And I need you to know that your seed, Abraham, shall be afflicted for 400 years. I need you to know that, Abraham. But how are they going to be afflicted? Because we're not going to tell them that we are trying to inflict them for the same period that has been prophesied that it's going to happen. Because if they had a known, oh, if you had a known that it was only 400 years, if he had a known that weeping just like rats and cockroaches only hang out in the night, but at the rising of the sun, with the singing of the birds and the smelling of the daffodils and the wet of the dew, comes a little bit of joy. The party would have been started long time ago if we had a known. Just simple. That trouble don't last always. We'd have got glad if we had a known that, but see, we didn't know because they hid it from us. They decided not to tell us. And then we got a little educated. We started going to the library and stealing books. Started reading one or two details. And we found out that they were hiding information inside of the books. So they were coming to our churches and they were manipulating our pastors. Oh, God is a loving God, you know. He'll put clothes on your back, food on your table, and a roof over your head, but if you cross him, he'll kill you. Uh-huh. God ain't never killed nobody. The Bible says the wages of sin, the effects of sin. Not God, the effects of sin. If you go outside, put that car in drive, and don't turn, you're going to run right into the house and probably kill yourself. It ain't got nothing to do with God. That's the effect. Of your stupidity. If you go out drunk knowing that you are above the conception, above the, the level of understanding, you are highly inebriated. And you miss a curve and end up in the river, they ain't got nothing to do with God. But they wanted us to believe that God kills folks because that was a way to control. 
And then our young people started to realize that this was malarkey. This was hockey puck. And now we got problems in our house because the kids think they know it all. Kids think they're better than us just because we sent you down into that stupid institution, paid our money, scrubbing floors with a toothbrush and crying and drying it with our hair. Now you got down there and think you're better than us. No, mama. What had happened was we just found out what they have been lying to us the whole time. So we got the books. And now what they do, they cited us for stealing. And they found another way. Some 1,000 institutions are in our land. We know them as prisons. Some 1,000 institutions sit in our land as prisons, and out of that 1,000, over 400 of them are privatized. So what did they do? They went into the prison business. And that's the next way we house them. Because we put them out there and we have them clean our cemeteries. We'll have them pick up trash off the side of our roads. We'll have them do the grunt labor and not pay them anything. Put them on what's called the chain game. And say it was an act of their doing, which it was. But what they didn't tell us, what we don't discuss, is how it was fueled. It was fueled because we went down to the job making biscuits in a hot oven, sweating like bullets, working 12 hours a day. The wages was going down, but the shift was going up. And so they talked about it. They don't make no sense. You don't want to work this hard. You go out here, take this dime bag, go sell on the corner. And then by the time we got to the corner, they went the opposite direction, sent the police looking for us. And then when the police got there, they had the papers come from the other side. And now what is the press? What is the, what is the headline say? Oh, Negroes don't want to work in the pie shop. But they didn't tell us that they sold us the idea of easy money to counteract the hard labor we were making. They could have paid us right years ago. Some of you work 15 hours a day for 15 cents. It won't because they didn't have the money. But it was the oppression that drove the crime that sealed the prison, that paid the man who's only giving you 15 cents. And now we find ourselves at a crossroads. We find ourselves at a turning point. We find ourselves in time realizing that there is an alternative that the life that some of us was afforded to the negative can be flipped in the new generation to the positive. But what are they doing with that? Now they try to hold us down by keeping you enslaved. See, y'all ain't getting nothing, so why should we give it to you? 
We had to suffer, so why should you get it easy? Y'all, the lazy generation, y'all don't want to work. That's what they're using now to keep us divided. How hard it was instead of us getting together and celebrate. Baby, I had to scrape walls and, and, and do all, but you go to school now. I work for 15 cents, but you can make $15. And what they don't realize, us folks, is the more that this generation makes, the more we can go back and take care of grandmama. They're arguing in the Senate right now. And the appropriations bill, piece of business is talking about the dysfunction of Social Security. And one of the reasons why it's dysfunctional is because young folks don't want to pay into this system. But what they have argued is that if we paid young people $15 an hour, we would then have enough money to go back and pay reparations to grandma. They don't want you to know that because if that happened, we can get together. So we find constant ways to keep us with what I like to call the crab policy. This morning I would like to speak against the crab policy. You know about the crab policy. You got a pot of crabs and I went to the store the other day because I just wanted to watch it because I heard y'all talk about it, but see, I didn't understand it. So I went to the store yesterday and just sat there and looked at the crab pot. And then the, the, you got this little big bucket in the, in the water. Costco used to do it. I don't know if they still do it. But around, you go in there and you look at it and you got all these crabs in this in this tank here. And you see the crab one at a time try to climb up to freedom. And every time that crab gets close to the top, here come 14 pulling them right back down. I sat there and watched it. One crab was kicking off the leg and kicking off. He don't have legs. He got claws. He was kicking them off and trying to kick them off and trying to kick them off. And the harder he kicked, the harder they pulled. And one crab almost made it to the top. He almost got out. Here come the man. Slap the lid down. The man ain't got a chance no way he tried. What would have happened if that crab had been motivated? That crab would have been running around the Walmart. <laughs> but the conductor, the the, the seafood man, he knew, oh, they can't get out because they're going to keep it. So we can just leave the gate open. We can leave the store unlocked. Because if they steal from us, all we got to do is go to their neighbors and offer them $50 to tell on them. If they don't pay taxes, all we got to do is get them 10% off their refund to tell on them. The way in modern ways, the modern Willie Lynch policy is the modern crab policy. So what I would like to do is I bring our conversation here to a close.
I'm like to tell you what they missed in the book. It was there, but it just won't talk to us. You know what they didn't tell us? They didn't tell us how they used our differences against us. We are all, as David had in a conversation with his creator, he said over in Psalms 139, he said, for it was you who created my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I have been remarkably and wondrously made. My bones were not hidden from you when you made me in secret. You went down into your secret laboratory and you pulled the plans for me individually and said, I'm going to make this person with this kind of hair and these kind of eyes. And Oh, she's going to look so pretty because her eyebrows are going to go a little bit arched and up to the right and then the other one's going to go a little bit straight and oh, she's going to have short curly hair and this one's going to have long thick hair and this one's going to be nice and pink and this one's going to be a little bit chocolate but that's all right because chocolate's good and this is going to have a little bit of a little bit of tummy to it we want to have a little bit of tummy that's okay because she can guard the, the little the little thick thing over here because if she get hit she got some rub on her you know so she won't get flattened quick all of these ideas god had and he put us all in this earth and you look around and Nobody is the same. Nobody's fingerprint is the same. Nobody has the same numbers of hair on their head. Nobody blinks the same. Nobody writes the same. Nobody walks the same. Nobody talks the same. Because we've all been individually touched by the master. This morning, my grandmother's coming to pray for us, and we're going to have what I like to call the moment of reconciliation. And that moment is more for not just the community by which we sit, for not just the problems that we have witnessed and and dealt with in this moment, but it's a time to process within ourselves. You know, hurt people hurt folks. We're all products of our pain. We're products of our environment. And the reality of that product is that whether it was on one side of the track that was a little bit more light and on the other side of the track that might have some challenges once the sun goes down, we all are operating out of misinformation. Red or yellow, black or white, they are all precious in God's sight. At this time of reconciliation, I would like for us to hopefully consider 
that whether you go to a predominantly black church or whether you deal in predominantly white folks, whether you married a Caucasian, whether you married a Jew, whether you stayed inside of your race or decided that you didn't want to have anything to do with saints, whatever you're finding, we're all a part of the human race, one body with many branches. That's not just words on a page that can be interpreted in a spiritual text to make us feel more religious and sound more holy. That is an actual statement. We are one body with many branches. That tree outside of your house, if you can look at it, it's got one old big stump on it. When you look up, the branches aren't the same. The number of leaves on them aren't the same. But when they all get together, the little branches and the big branches, the, the tree stumps and the snubs, when they all get together, you can sit outside in the middle of summer right under that tree, and despite the fact that it's a 1,000 degrees, you can sip on your lemonade and not feel a thing because it's good shelter from the elements. When we all get together, when we all come to the understanding that we are all children, of one king, that it is only one Lord, only one faith, and only one baptism. And from that one Lord, through us, in us, for us, creates all of us. That is our prayer this morning. And if my grandmother comes to pray, I would like to, in your mind, submit for consideration. I'm going to need about a two-thirds vote on this. And might have to run through one or two committees. But I would like to submit to you for consideration, if we can, a little bit of a repeal. No, I'm not going after your health insurance. No, I'm not going to try to repeal relations between the gays. No, I'm not going to mess with the Internet. I want to repeal today the crab policy. I want to repeal today the ideology that the only way we can win is at somebody else's expense. I want to repeal today the mindset that there's not room enough for all of us. That's the part I want to repeal today. On this last Sunday of this installment of African American history, may this be our exodus. May this be the time that there's a new amendment created, the anti-crab policy bill. That is our prayer today, as my dear granny comes to pray. 
Most holy and all wise Father, we thank you this morning. We praise you and we magnify your name. And God, as we come this morning, God, we ask you to let that word we preach in our hearts. Help us to see ourselves. Help us, O oh God, to love one another. Help us to esteem others greater than ourselves. You told us, O oh God, to do these things, but God, we need your help. And we ask you this morning to help us, O oh God, to surrender our all to you, that we might be living epistles read by men, that we might walk in the light of your word, that your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Dear God, we trust in you this morning that we would do it your way because your way is the only right way. And God, help us to turn to you. Help us to read your word and let your word, oh God, speak to our hearts. As this word has come forth this morning, God, help us to search ourselves, God, and help us to do it your way. We just thank you this morning, God. We thank you for the message, and we ask you to bless our pastor. Minister to him, God. Keep him ever standing tall, crying loud, and sparing not. Keep him, oh God, ever with his hands in your hands, trusting you, knowing that all power is in your hands. Whatever he needs, God, we're asking you to supply. You know his desires. You know his heart. And, God, we're asking you to bless him this morning. Minister to him, God. And we say thank you, God. We praise you, God. And we magnify your name, God. And we say thank you. We thank you, God, because only you can do the things that need to be done through us. Because you made us, oh God, and you knows what to do for us. And we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. And we magnify your name. And we give your name all the honor, all the glory, all the praises. Give it all to you. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a great week. God bless you.